With Hashem's assistance, we are learning about Bekam and Dafayin Hey, page 75. We begin 10 lines in, the last word on the line, Itmar. We stated in an Amoraitic statement, Let's say somebody admits to a fine, and the halacha is, if you admit to a fine, you don't have to pay the fine. And then witnesses come and say that he has an obligation, meaning the witnesses say exactly what he admitted to. So now that there are witnesses, is there going to be an obligation on him to pay the fine, despite the fact that he admitted or not? Rav Amar Pater. So Rav says, once you've admitted, you've admitted, there's no obligation to pay the fine, even if witnesses come along. Ushmul Amar Shmuel says no there will still be an obligation based on the fact that there are witnesses, despite the fact that you admitted to the fact that you owe this fine. Amar Rav Barahiloi, Rav Barahiloi says as follows, my time at the Rav, what's the reason of Rav, where does Rav get this, that once a person admits, so even if witnesses come along, you're not going to have an obligation to pay a fine? Because the verse says, I mean, say, right? The verse says, if it will be found, will be found. Why does it say twice? If it will be found, be found. So first of all, the, the facts have to become known to us through witnesses. And then it has to be found to be true by a court with judges. Prat, so this comes to exclude a case, where the information comes to be found based on the fact that the person admitted he made himself to be called evil, so to speak. Lamalai Siligmar says, Why do I need to say that there's no obligation in such a case that it's excluded from having to pay where he admitted to it? We have a different verse that seems to imply that it's only when the court itself makes the person to be evil, then he has an obligation to pay the fine. But not if he comes and he admits it himself. So from the fact that we see this concept twice, that when a person admits he has no obligation, it's coming to teach us as follows. If let's say he admits to it, so then there's an obligation. And not only that, but even if he admits to it, and the witnesses come and they say that he has this obligation, Potter, he still will not have an obligation since he already admitted. So how Shmuel going to explain this? What do you need this extra verse for? He requires that verse to teach you that not only in the case where the verses are talking about, which is simply talking about a case where a person is supposed to be watching something, then he claims that it was stolen, then it turns out it was in his possession. Not only in that case where he admits it, does he not have to pay the fine? But even in a case, the the person himself, let's say, who did steal, let's say somebody really did steal, not just a case where he's claiming that someone stole it and then it turns out it's in his possession. But someone actually stole it. How do you know that if he admits to it, he doesn't have to pay the fine. So according to Shmuel, that's why you need the extra verse. Get a tons of Echizkiah, like we have this Bryce of Echizkiah, which is quoted on Daf Samach Gimel Mabez, page 63b. Rav asks a question to Shmuel. Shmuel who says that if a person admits and witnesses come along, there still will be an obligation for him to pay the fine. So he's going to be challenged by the following b'risa. The b'risa states, if let's say somebody sees witnesses, that they're on their way, they're going to tell, they're going to say something that he's going to have an obligation to pay a fine. And then he admits to the fine to try to get out of it. He admits that he stole something, so he doesn't have to pay the fine. He says, I did not slaughter it and I didn't sell it. So all he has to do is pay the actual original value of the thing, the item itself. He doesn't have to pay the actual fine to pay the double, even though the witnesses were about to come. So that seems to be a proof, not like Shmuel, and the implication would seem to be that even if the witnesses would indeed come, there would be no obligation on the person to pay. So Shmuel responds and says like this, What are we speaking about over here? The witnesses did not come in the end. That's why there's no obligation to pay the fine. Our challenge is about made the tiny safer from this that it's in the end of the Braisa. Rabbi Lazar Shimon Ami Rabbi Lazar Shimon says, Yavayu Aidin Vaidu that if the witnesses want to, they'll come, they can come, and there will be an effect. Michla, we can deduce Tanakama Savar, that the first Tana holds light. 
that if they would come and they would say anything, they wouldn't be able to create an effect. Meaning, the case was where they did come, not just where they turned around and walked away. Not like Shmuel said. That's the implication. Amar le Shmuel. So Shmuel says like this, I can say like Rabbi Lazar Rabbi Shimon. Rabbi Shimon works out like me. Rabbi Lazar Rabbi Shimon is saying, if the witnesses will come, there will be an obligation to pay the fine despite the fact that he's admitted. I hold like Rabbi Lazar Rabbi Shimon. I hold like Rabbi Lazar Rabbi Shimon who says that in fact there will be an obligation to pay despite the fact that he is admitted. The Shmuel, Vali Tanahi. So the Gemara says, according to Shmuel, so there's no way to get out of the fact that there's an argument between the Tanakama and Rabbi Lazar Rabbi Shimon. The Rav, but according to Rav, we don't have to say that they actually argue in all cases. It could be that even Rabbi Lazar Rabbi Shimon will agree to what Rav says. How does that work? Rav will say like this. I will say even according to Rabbi Lazar Rabbi Shimon, I can't like Rabbi Lazar Rabbi Shimon. Hasam. The only reason that Rabbi Lazar Rabbi Shimon says over there that there's an obligation to pay the fine, even though he admitted, the only reason that the guy is admitting is because he sees his witnesses are coming. He's scared of them, and therefore that's why he admits that he that he stole it so that he won't have to pay the fine. But where a person will admit on his own, so even Rabbi Lazar Rabbi Shimon would admit that there would not be an obligation to pay the fine, even though witnesses came later on. So what's the understanding of this? So I think the pshat is, the, the, the explanation is, that why do we say that if a person admits that he's not going to have to pay the fine normally? The reason is because, what's the reason why we give him a fine? We give a person a fine because he's done something wrong, he's stolen something, and we want him to learn his lesson that he shouldn't steal anything. So we give him a fine, he has to pay double. Or if he does something really bad, he slaughters it, or he goes and sells it, so then we give him even four or five times he has to pay. This is all to teach him that he shouldn't do this ever again. However, when someone admits and shows that he, he realizes he's done something wrong, so we don't need to give him this extra fine, because he's shown that he's learned his lesson, that he shouldn't do this thing. So now, but what if he's admitting only because of the fact that he sees witnesses coming, he's, they're about to testify about him, he's going to have to end up paying. The only reason he's admitting is to get out of the fine. So he hasn't learned his lesson, so we throw the fine on him as well. But again, if he has admitted, and he didn't know that witnesses were coming, so he's shown that he's learned his lesson. So therefore, even if witnesses come later on, Rabbi Lazar Rabbi Shimon will agree that he will not have to pay. Amar Rav Hamnuna, Rav Hamnuna says, Mestav Milsi the Rav, this that Rav said that once he admits he does not have an obligation to pay even if witnesses come along, that makes sense. Where he says, I stole, so he admitted that he stole. So now he has to pay for what he stole. But he's not going to have an obligation to pay the double, and then witnesses come along and say that he stole. There, there's not going to be an obligation for him to pay the double. Because by his original statement, before the witnesses came, he made an obligation for himself to pay for the actual object that he stole. So there he's shown that he's learned his lesson, he's shown remorse, he's showed that he's not just doing it to get out of an obligation, he's doing it, he's, he's obligating himself in something. He says, I didn't steal. Then witnesses come and say that he did steal. And then after those witnesses come, he says, you know, I admit that I slaughtered it or I sold it. So he's trying to get out of the fact that he would have to pay the extra four or five times. Then witnesses come and say that he slaughtered or sold it, then he will have an obligation to pay, despite the fact that he's admitted to the fine, and the witnesses came along, in that case, he will have an obligation. Why? All he's coming to do is get himself out of the obligation to pay for something. In such a case where he's not creating an obligation on himself, all he's doing is trying to get out of an obligation, so there he hasn't shown his remorse, he hasn't shown that he's learned his lesson, and in fact, we're going to make sure that he does learn his lesson, and he will have to pay that four or five times, even though he's admitted to it. I have a great question that's going to totally decimate the understanding of the elders of the yeshiva of Rav. 
For behold, in the previous Gemara, in the previous Daf, so we had an important question that was asked to Rav Huna, who had said his Peshat in the name of Rav. Rav Huna was quoting Rav's statement that a person who admits to a knas, admits to a fine, even if witnesses come along, he's still not going to have an obligation to pay the fine. So in that Gemara, so Rav Chizda asked the question to Rav Huna as follows. There was a story with Rav Gamliel, where his slave, he had gouged out the eye of his slave, and he said he was so happy he's going to free his slave now. Rav Yeshua says, what are you so happy about? And he tells him, because now he's going to be able to free his slave who he wished to free. And Rabbi Yeshua says, I'm sorry, but you don't have any witnesses that saw you do that. So the implication was that if there would be witnesses, despite the fact that he admitted to something which was a fine, that there would be an obligation for him to go and free his slave. Now that case is exactly like the case, the second case that Rav Hamnuna had said, where when the person admits, he's not simultaneously creating an obligation, a monetary obligation, along with a fine. Rather, he's only creating an obligation for a fine in such a case. So we said, if witnesses come along later on, even Rav will admit that you will have an obligation to pay for the fine, even though there are witnesses. The Ka'amar later of Chizla Ravuna. And he had asked a question from this case, even though it's not a good question. And he didn't answer it. So that's a proof that Rav Hamnuna is incorrect. That Rav would agree that even in a case where he's not creating an obligation, which is monetary, along with the obligation for something which is a fine, despite that, there still will not be an obligation to pay according to Rav, even though witnesses come later on. Now the Gemara brings another statement along the lines of Rav Hamnuna's statement. Idmar Nami, we have another Amoraidic statement. If a guy says, I stole. And then when he come along and say that he stole, so there's not going to be an obligation to pay the fine, only to pay for the actual thing. Because he's created an obligation on himself along with the obligation for the fine. So therefore we say he doesn't have to pay the fine even though witnesses came along later on since he's shown that he's going to that he's willing to and ready to admit something that he's going to have to pay for. But if he said, I didn't steal, and then witnesses come along and say he did and then he says I slaughtered it or I sold it and then witnesses come along and say the same thing that he slaughtered it or sold it so then he will have an obligation even though he's admitted to the fine why? because when he says that statement he's not creating any obligation along with his exemption so therefore his statement is irrelevant as soon as witnesses come along Amar Ravashi, Ravashi says, We have a Mishnah and a Brisa that both indicate this distinction that we're making now. Masnisin, we have a Mishnah that did tonight, we said in the Mishnah, If let's say we get the information based on two witnesses that he's stolen, and regards to the information that he's slaughtered it or sold it, so that information we get based on the testimony of a single witness or based on his own testimony. So all he pays is the double, which is based on the first set of witnesses. So his admission or the information coming to us through a single witness is not enough to get him to pay the four or five times, the additional two or three times that are added on past the kefil. So now, Why does it have to say that the case is where he stole, and we know this information based on the testimony of two witnesses, listening, why doesn't it say that he stole, and he slaughtered, and or sold it based on the testimony of a single witness, or based on his own admission? And in that case, he only pays the single value, which is the original thing that he stole. Why don't we say that? We turn to Ayin Hema, base page 75b, it must be that this is what it's coming to teach us. If somebody stole 
based on the testimony of two people. And then the information as far as the slaughtering we get from a single witness, or based on his own admission. In that case, where he's not creating an obligation along with his exemption by his statement, by his admission. So in that case, we'll say that his admission is similar to what happens if there will be a single witness. What does that mean? Just like in regards to if there will be a single witness claiming that he slaughtered it or sold a ki if another witness will come along so that second witness will attach himself to the first witness then there will be an obligation in regards to him paying the, the extra three times so too in regards to the case where he himself admitted if witnesses come along he will still have an obligation despite the fact that he's admitted but the implication is like this if a person a single witness came along and said that he stole and he slaughtered or he sold it or if he himself admitted it there he is creating an obligation on himself in regards to the initial thing that he stole he's coming to patterns coming to exempt himself from the fine there we won't compare himself to a single witness because of a single witness comes and said that and then another witness comes along he will have an obligation to pay it but in regards to himself where he admits then he won't have an obligation so we see from the Mishnah that there's this distinction between the cases where he's admitting and along with his admission comes an obligation and an exemption that's the case where there's going to be an exemption that will hold even if witnesses come afterwards but the implication is that if by his admission all he's creating is an exemption without an obligation then there would indeed be an obligation for him to pay even if witnesses come afterwards the Gemara continues and says, Brysa, we have a Brysa that indicates this as well, this distinction, at the time we have a Brysa. Unless there's somebody sees witnesses that they're coming, he admits to the court, I stole. But I didn't slaughter it and I didn't sell it. So all he has to pay is the one single value of the thing that he stole. Why does it have to say in the Brysa, He says, I stole it, but I didn't slaughter it and I didn't sell it. Why does it say that? Why can't it just say, even both cases, where he admits that he stole it, or he admits that he slaughtered it and sold it. What's it coming to teach you as follows? It's only because he said that I stole. That in that case, he's creating an obligation along with the exemption by admitting the potter. That's why there's no obligation for him to pay, even if witnesses come along. Let's say he says, I didn't steal. Witnesses come along and say, he stole. Then he says, you know what? Not only did I steal, I actually slaughtered it and sold it. And the witnesses come along and say that he slaughtered and sold it. In that case, he hasn't created an obligation for himself to pay the initial amount that he stole. So then there will be an obligation even though he's admitted to it. We can deduce that this admission, since it doesn't come along with any kind of obligation, it's not considered a good admission. So we have this brisa that's indicating the same distinction. Kumar says it's not a good proof from the brisa light. He It could be that this is actually what is coming to teach you something else. That since he says I stole, even though he didn't admit to the fact that it, that he slaughtered it and sold it, and now witnesses come along. He already admitted that he stole it. The witnesses come along and say that he slaughtered it and he sold it. Potter, there's not going to be an obligation in regards to the fact that he slaughtered it and sold it, even though he didn't admit. My timer. What's the reason? 
Because the Torah says that in regards to where you slaughtered and sold, so you have to pay five times or four times, depending on which thing you slaughtered and sold. So, and then the implication is that there won't be any less than that. In other words, by him coming along and saying, yeah, I admit that I stole this object. So now he doesn't have to pay the double. When we talk about the five times that a person has to pay, so that five times includes the initial thing, the initial value of the thing, then the kefal, the regular double that a person has to pay for stealing it, and then it includes another two or three times that he has to pay because he slaughtered and sold it. So when do you have to pay that full four or five times? Only if you're also included in that four or five times is the kefal, the double. But since by his admission, which was done in a way that obligates himself, so he no longer will have to pay that kefal, that second time of the value, so you're never going to have to pay the full four or five times as well. That's the indication of the price. That's what's coming to teach you. So you can't prove anything about this distinction like we were trying to say before. The Gemara continues, Let us say that this whole discussion that we're having right now, whether when you're admitting, there has to also be an obligation that you're creating along with your exemption, let us say that it's actually an argument between Tanaim. Let's say we had two witnesses who were testifying about the fact that a certain person stole. There was another set of witnesses testifying about the fact that he slaughtered or sold it. If let's say the first set of witnesses who testified about the stealing, they became contradicted to their person. So then, since there is no stealing, so there is no selling or slaughtering, and therefore there is no obligation on the person who was supposedly to have stolen to pay anything. Who's made it ficha? But let's say the second group of witnesses was the one that became contradicted to their person. So who mishalim tashlum So then the first guy, the guy who stole, indeed the testimony of the first group is still there. So he has to pay the double. And then the second group of witnesses, since they attended the cause and the pay three more times, so they're the ones who have to pay those three times. Mishum sumchus It was said over in the name of sumchus. Hein mishalim tashlum That that group pays the double. Vehu mishalim tashlum mishleisha lepar. And the person who is accused, he has to pay three times if we're talking about a bull. Shnayim Island he has to pay two times more if we're talking about a ram. Now the Gemara says, What case is Sumchus talking about where, the, where there has to be a double paid by the witnesses and a three times paid or two times paid, the second half has to be paid by the person who is accused? What's going on? So if it's going on the first case where the first group was contradicted to their person, can it be that Sumchus doesn't agree that once the first guys are knocked out, so then the whole thing is gone? What's going on in the second case? The, the sages are saying something that makes a lot of sense. If the second group of witnesses was the one that got knocked out, so then the person who, it's still being said about him that he stole, so he has to pay the double. And then the second group has to pay the three times, the amount that's left. So that makes sense. What's Sumchus saying? The Gemara says, there's a totally different case that Sumchus is talking about, and that's where there's going to be an argument between the sages and Sumchus. Two people came along with Amri Le and they say to him, you stole. He says, Not only did I steal, I slaughtered it and I sold it. I did not steal in front of you. You guys were not there. And this guy brings witnesses that say that that guy, those, those two witnesses were not around when he stole. And now the person who got stolen from brings witnesses. And they testify about the fact that he stole and he slaughtered and he sold it. Now, this that he admitted in regards to slaughtering before the second group of witnesses came. So that's the issue here. The sages hold that even though the original admission, which was that he stole, so he's only saying that because the first group of witnesses said that he stole, so he's admitting he stole. 
in regards to the admission, in regards to the fact that he slaughtered it, that's considered a good admission. And despite the fact, here's the here's the kicker, that the Rabbanon hold, that the sages hold, it's, despite the fact that he's not creating an obligation for himself, why? Because the only reason that he's admitting in regards to the Geneva, the stealing itself, is because of the first group. And in the end, he's only going to have an obligation because of the second group of witnesses that are coming along. So that being the case, so the admission that he's saying in regards to slaughtering, so that's not creating any kind of obligation. It's just creating a, an exemption. And the sages nevertheless say that despite the fact that their witnesses coming later on to say that he has an obligation in regards to slaughtering it, that there's no obligation. And Simchas holds that since the original admission was because of the witnesses, that's why he's admitting it. Also in regards to the admission of the slaughtering, it's also not considered an admission. Why? Because it's not creating an obligation along with it. So now the first group has to pay the double. And according to Simchas, so he's going to have to pay. He's not going to be exempted. And he's going to have to pay the second half, which is either two or three, depending on what he stole. So again, we see over here that there's a, an argument between the Tanayim when you're not creating an obligation, all you're doing is exempting yourself, whether or not that's considered a good, a good exemption, and there's going to be an obligation or not if witnesses come along afterwards and say that you have an obligation. So Ravach Breed Ravika says, It's not true, that's not the argument. Everyone agrees, That when a person admits, since he's not creating any obligation along with his exemption, so therefore it's not considered a good enough exemption that if uh, witnesses would come along afterwards, that he wouldn't have an obligation, he will have an obligation. Actually, the argument has to do with a totally different issue. The issue is like this. Normally we say that if you have people who are coming to testify. And it will be impossible to contradict their person. So there's something that's missing in their edus, in their testimony. Because if you can't contradict the person, so they feel much more confident in saying something which is not true, because you're never going to be able to knock them out. So now, that will be the issue here. Let's see how the Gemara goes. The cases where you have witnesses that came, and they say to the person, you stole. He says to them, Actually, I stole, I slaughtered, and I sold it. I didn't steal in front of you. Rather, I stole in front of this person and that person. And now this person who stole, so he brings witnesses that say that those people weren't there. And then the second group of witnesses, who the person who stole admitted that they saw him, so that group comes along and they say that he stole and he slaughtered and he sold it. And now in this case, so this is what they're arguing about. The Rabbon and Savri, that the sages hold, Since the second group of witnesses, you can't contradict them, you can't contradict the person. Why? Because the person who stole actually admitted that they were there and that they saw him do it. So he's admitting to it, so that makes their testimony ironclad. And any time we have a case where you can't contradict their person, so then it's not considered a good testimony because theoretically they could be saying which is un- something which is untrue, and we won't be able to contradict them. That in this case, so even though they can't be contradicted, since over here, as the Gemara is going to say very soon, since they're saying something which is actually getting extra power, it's much more clear that they're saying something which is true. Therefore, it's considered a good testimony. 
And that's why Sumchus is saying that the first group who got contradicted to their person, so they have to pay the Tashlume Kefel the double, and then the Ganav himself has to pay the three times based on the testimony of the second group. Now the Gemara challenges Sumchus. We have already established that whenever you have testimony that can't be contradicted, the people can't be contradicted, it's not considered a good testimony. So how can Sumchus say this? So the Gemara answers like we said, It's only when the people who are testifying, they're not saying what day it happened, what time it happened, to Lekel Eidus Klal, because that type of thing where we contra- can't contradict a person because we don't know when they were there, when they saw it happen, so that shows that they're not saying that information because they're not sure about themselves or because they're afraid that someone's going to contradict them. They're not; they really don't believe in what they're saying. So there's something missing from their testimony itself. But here, the fact that they can't be contradicted is a greater proof to what they're saying because the person himself, the person who stole, is admitting that these guys were there, and that's why we can't contradict. Them. So that's something that we should believe them more, according to Sumchus. Amar Mar, Mar said, meaning we said previously, that the first group who got contradicted, so they have to pay the double. So Mar says, hold on a second, from the fact that the person who stole is admitting that he stole, so he should have to pay the initial amount. All the first group should have to pay is what they attempted to cause him that he shouldn't have had to pay, which was the double, the second half. Amar Bilazer says the name of Rav, Tani, the way it should actually read is Tashlumi Dekefel. All that they have to actually have to pay, indeed, is the second half, the double. But the first part, the initial amount, which represents the actual Geneva, the actual thing that he stole, since he admitted to it, so he actually has to pay that himself. All the group that's being contradicted has to pay is the double, which is the fine that they were attempting to cause him to have to pay beyond what he would otherwise have had to pay.